Hey, hi, I'm Bonnie. Welcome to this podcast, Make Joy Normal, where we chat about homeschooling and family life. With my co-hosts, Elizabeth and Christina, we address your questions and topics in a way that can create more joy in our lives. Please submit any questions you have by email or voice message in the links in the show notes. If you found this episode valuable, please share it with a friend, like, or leave us a review. That's how we get the word out. Thanks for trying to make joy normal in your own life. Welcome to my listeners and welcome to my guest today, Father Harrison. Welcome, Father. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, my audience is uh, getting to know you a little bit. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, it's just a couple, couple times now. Yeah, so. that's fantastic. Yeah. So thanks so much for joining me. We had this idea we, as we're in our last conversation to talk about family catechesis, which is something, of course, as a pastor is near and dear to your heart. So Father Harrison and I are friends from way back. He's a pastor of one of our parishes here in our diocese, a big parish. And we've just been having this sort of ongoing conversation about what does family catechesis look like? Uh, what do we what do we do with it? So I, first of all, I kind of like to start big picture. So if you can just sort of define what catechesis is, and then we can talk about family catechesis. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. Like actually, the way I've even been titling it is not even catechesis, like family faith formation, right? Because it's like catechesis is a part of that education in the faith, but like it's also formation in the Christian life, <laughs> right? How to pray together <laughs> as a family, how to read right. the scriptures together as a family, how to be Christians at home, essentially, right? But the catechesis element is, is this is something that's been really hit me since in my studies, actually, is Ratzinger. He talks about how experience and event precedes dogma. Okay, so this this will get to the catechesis thing, how the apostles have to experience the resurrected Lord. That's the experience or the event. And then the dogma is Christ is risen. He is Lord, right? The Father sent him in the Holy Spirit. They can't have those things without the encounter and the experience. So catechesis is meant to unpack the encounter with the living Lord, of our encounter with him who is living today, right? Like he is risen and living today. He's not something of just the past. He, he's someone who's living today, encountering us through the church in, in, in word and sacrament. So catechesis is really the unpacking of the event of Christ. And it, uh, like, yes, as he had done these things 2000 years ago, but that those things are present in mystery today in the life of the church. And so we need to experience that. Like we need that experience element, but it also brings the truth element. Like this is what happened to you, right? A lot of this comes from my encounters with communion liberation, like Luigi Giussani and how if Christ is incarnate, he takes on the whole of humanity. That means God touches the whole of human nature and experience is a part of that, right? So catechesis has to also touch on experience as well. And I'm being very broad on purpose here, <laughs> but so it's not going to get into all the subtleties. We had a tendency in, like, you may have had a tendency in the 40s and 50s to talk about like propositions and truths of faith, right? Just as just as just as. And then there was kind of a reaction against that, right? And then you kind of came in the 60s, 70s, and 80s with like a, a kind of uh, fluffy, cuddle me Jesus um, uh, form of catechesis that's all about experience. And like, what do you think Jesus is saying here and all this stuff? And, and it reduced Jesus to whatever I think he is, right? And then the, the former kind of only allowed me to see Jesus as, as like church teaching would tell me he is and never brought the two together. But if Jesus is incarnate, he has to touch both, and so catechesis, I think, is meant to unpack in, in a way that brings truth and experience together. And so and it's something simple, like in the home, for example, like when, when, when a, a child goes and, and does something out of the blue, a kind act for a sibling, you've experienced the fruit of grace. And that's worth reflecting on to see how Christ has been working there 
really and truly in a mysterious way. And the catechesis say, what is charity? Like, let's look at that experience. Why was that charitable and not just a nice thing to do? Why was that coming from a Christian heart? And that, and the catechesis helps us to understand and enter more deeply into that. Is that making sense? No, it's super cool. So we're bringing the experience and the truth together. That matters. That matters, right? Because it's a way, in my mind, of making it easy for parents to teach their children the faith, right? So I'm going to ask two questions. How do we help bring those experiences alive for our children? What resources or conversations might we have to aid their growth? But from the other side of the coin, what truths do we try to lead them to first off so that those experiences can be made manifest? Is that making sense? I think so. I think so. Okay. So let me go with, I'll go with the, uh, for, and it's, yeah, it's not to say like, it's not a, like an absolute always chronological thing, right. Right? but like this, the example I was just laying out was just to say that, that at the beginning of the church, at least like this, these are, you know, they can't say Jesus is Lord without the experience first. Right. And it's just, and it's like, it's a, it's a, it's a medieval maxim, right? Nothing is in the mind that is not previously perceived through the senses. Uh, right. You right. can't, you can't know something until you've actually encountered it in an embodied way. Right. So you have to experience it. Um, so what we're doing in my parish this year, it's, it's come from a fruit, like lots of conversations with you. Definitely my own experiences with the groups in Mill Bay and stuff like that. Definitely a lot of my theological studies too, which is always really cool that it kind of cool. fosters into pastoral outreach and stuff. And also we did like a little survey when I got here because my religious head coordinator had a little school project. And so I said, yeah, let's do a survey of families, right? And hearing the parents say, I wish I knew more about my faith. That was number one. How do we do this thing at home? Like, how do we do this Christian thing at home, essentially? We want to, but we don't, right? Right, right. And we want to be close to God. We want our kids to grow in the faith. We don't want our kids to lead the faith. Like, it was very, like, uh, it was quite amazing to see the overarching themes be quite consistent, right? Which was great. So, and I've had this, I've had this idea since my mission year at the MCs, actually, uh, when I found out about how, because this is actually a model that they do in, in South America where they don't have many priests in the rural areas, for example. So we're doing, yeah, we're moving to like a monthly uh, family faith formation model rather than a weekly catechism class model. Because like, okay, so because uh, I'll break, I want to break this down first because then it kind of can get around to your question because like, I think you, you, a lot of your listeners would probably appreciate this because what's the problem with like, what is the problem right now? Probably with the usual religious ed CCD model. If you do like you come every week, kids are dropped off. Yeah. What, like, yeah. What are the, especially if you don't care or you're not really practicing the faith, like what's the problems? They're not engaged. Right. And, and, and yeah. what happens after they're confirmed and do first communion? <laughs> they're still, they're gone. They're gone. Right. I see it all the time. They get their big party mm-hmm. and they're gone the Sunday after. And if you're lucky, if you even get them every Sunday beforehand. So it's like a twofold thing. It's to build up those who are active in the faith, who are coming or at least trying to come. You know, I get it. Kids get sick. It's sometimes hard to make it right. every Sunday because of that. But it's like, you know, but it's also then a way to help invite in a good experience for the families who aren't so maybe into it that make a step forward or they choose not to do this at home. Well then like that tells me you're not willing to take responsibility for raising your child in the faith. So because this is the thing, and so it gets back to your first question, I think is, is it doesn't make sense to talk about the faith in the home. Like your kids will, will smell out the, uh, the lie almost pretty quickly. Wait, why are you telling me, why are you telling me about Jesus when we don't go to church every Sunday? (laughs) Right? Like, and I mean, Hey, maybe the kids will use that to challenge them towards that, right? That could be a good thing. But kids kids are very intuitive around these things. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And at the same time, I think a lot of parents are hesitant, not because, because I think they actually put too big of a burden. There's so much to know. I have to know everything. So the model, like we're kind of, I'm, I'm still working on it. Cause I have, this is the thing I have yet to find a curriculum. Cause this is not where I'm not original here. I have found out that there's all these other parishes in the States that are trying this out too, but I've yet to find a catechetical model that I'm happy with because the other problem becomes, it's like, you have to memorize these facts about the faith instead of, so what we're going to be doing is a kind of scripture-based curriculum. And my, essentially I'm forming the parents to preach the gospel at home. And I got a bit of this, yeah, I got this bit of this idea from um, a friend of mine from Pennsylvania. She, uh, she, she was reading a book. She sent me something like, Oh, that's really, yeah. I like that. I like that. Where like, it's imagine. So this is like, this is the thing yeah. we, we, you're, you know, our first lesson is going to be creation. Mm-hmm. And like, I'm asking parents 15, 20 minutes a week. That's it. You don't need yeah. to do much more. You could supplement with a storybook for younger kids. Read Genesis together. Yeah. Maybe each night, each kid or each person in the family takes, reads a bit of a chunk of it as best they can. And then you talk about it for a couple minutes. What does this mean? Right. Like, how does God create? So there's all sorts of like, but the idea is like that you're doing this together as a family and it's going to raise questions. Maybe the parents are like, actually, oh, that's a good question. I don't know how to answer that. Or, or, um, or an insight that a parent might have, like, and that's the other thing. It's like that a parent might say, "Okay, well, my kids, very, one kid's very narrative, really yeah. good with stories. The other one's very good with art." Yeah. So I'm going to be able to teach them the story. We're going to draw out the creation story. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Go nuts! Like I don't care. <laughs> you, you know your kids best. Do what works best for them, right? But the parents, I think, will learn. And this is the thing: the experience of just doing this together is already an encounter with the Lord. Mm-hmm who is present at the creation and who is present in those words of scripture and is present in the, what does it mean for God to create? Like, well, what does that mean? Like that means that God upholds everything, everything that exists right now. God is very close and holds tightly together out of love for us. And that kids hear that from their parents, that sticks, right? And like, I'm not even expecting the kids to memorize everything because they're not but they will remember the experience of their parents teaching them the faith. So I think in terms of like bringing this together, I think it's like, yeah, we, we, and the, so my job will be to form the parents to say, here's resources. You got questions, blah, 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 blah. Like here, go to this stuff. Like uh, I'm going to give you a little overview of this, but this is, these are your learning goals. Yeah. Not big, right? Yeah, exactly. And this is the idea. Yeah. And having a resource list would be really helpful so that they can, or a library they can draw from or, or whatever. You know, it's interesting because we're one of our kids' favorite things to do as one of our Advent traditions is the Jesse tree and the Jesse tree readings. And it became sort of an institution in our family early on. And it's really was almost exactly what you're describing. You know, the Jesse tree for those or my non-Catholic listeners or those who aren't familiar with the the, uh, devotion is that you're basically doing a little short reading uh, all the way from creation to the birth of Christ. And so you, you really are sharing the salvation story and it can be as, as minimal as you want when our kids were small, it was like two, three, four lines and when our kids got older, of course, we started ramping up the readings so that we were choosing a longer scripture passage that would uh, would tell them the creation story, right? So we're doing this in a condensed way in, in Advent. And if, if you didn't even do any other homeschooling, and that's what you did for Advent, that would be a really valuable thing. But they would draw, right? That's what they would do. And we would discuss it. We would draw it. We'd be having a nice drink together. You know, it was um, a really pleasant time. And that, that for my kids was really foundational. 
right? And it was. It was because it was relational, right? Exactly, right? right? And that's the thing. So it's like, because mm-hmm. this is the other thing, like truth isn't known except through relationship. Like every, like yeah. our desire for holiness is not known except through relationship. We have this like almost like Nietzschean sense, I have to will my own holiness. Now that's not Catholic. That's, yeah. uh, it's not a Catholic vision of the world. It's like, no, it's actually mediated through others. I see it. So, wow. Like a kid's like, wow. Like, and you know, there's like kids, especially when they're younger, are very keen to want to imitate their parents. Right? Yeah. I bet you anything if 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 the kids I don't because it's the thing I my my role has always been create a space, give an outline of things, and then let the Holy Spirit do the rest of the work. Mm-hmm. I, I can't. I, I he's pretty good at it. He's pretty. Good. Well, this is, <laughs> that's what I've learned. It's like priests plan too much sometimes. I think and it's like uh, yeah. right. It's like no, no. You, gotta, you create the space for people to come together, and then you let the Holy Spirit do the rest. Because like I because like I think there's all sorts of possible. Because I have a lot of implicit theological ideas based into this method that I don't necessarily need to explicate to everyone. I don't really want to even. Yeah. But I think that they'll implicitly show themselves out in the effects. A kid sees their parents reading them scripture every week. Well, maybe they start picking up the Bible and trying to read it themselves. Why? Because mom and dad do it. Mm-hmm. Well, I want to do that, right? You, Yeah, exactly. They see the modeling. It builds up a desire in them. And it's like, mom and dad desire. And like, look at the joy and happiness it brings. Look at how it brings our family together at this time. Look how much we pay attention to these things, all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Like the, the, these little, because kids are very symbolic, right? They're not abstract thinkers at, at a young, especially at a young age. They kind of grow into that more. So it's it's sim- symbolic. Like, and by, by, by symbolic, I mean like that ancient view of it, not the modern. It can mean whatever you want it to mean. No, it's that something, an action, a word, an image, right? An, a, a physical item can communicate, an object can communicate more than what is just seen, which is sacramentality. Right. Um, and so I'm hoping to kind of build, I'm hoping that what happens is mm-hmm. an experience of sacramentality starts to build up in the home essentially. So that then you start to connect that with the mat. Wait, we listen to scripture at home. We listen to scriptures at mass. Wait, this is a, this is something that's life giving at home. Well, now mass becomes something more life giving for kids. Why? Cause wait, you mean I can listen to the scriptures? I can understand. Oh, wait, or hey, mom right. and dad, what did the scripture passage, when we heard this line at mass, say, what did that mean? Because now they know it's okay to listen and to engage with it. They may not know that. Mm-hmm. And to yeah. have Father explain something about the scriptures, you know, open it up a little bit for them, right? Yeah. yeah. So it's really like, I, so I have a lot of implicit hopes. We'll see where it goes, obviously. But it's like, yeah. and I'm sure I'm going to be surprised by things that I never expected as well. But it, it's to say like this whole ex- truth becomes life-giving, Mm-hmm. Because, like, for like for me, theology is always life giving. I get excited about it. I get excited about preaching because I see how deeply life giving it is. Truth is never just a mere abstraction for me. It's something that concretely touches my life and that draws me out of my life into Christ more. I mean, and that's what truth is because I mean, truth for the Christian is not an idea, as Pope Benedict says. It's a person, right? And and so. Yeah. Let's help the kids encounter the person in the experience of like the domestic church at home, the church in the church building and those larger gatherings, and to experience Christ in the truth unpacked. So, yeah, and so I guess, and then with your second question, then with that, it's to say like, I think what happens, and I, I do think especially with kids, experience stuff is really vital at first because then, but what does it, it'll give them an openness of trust that we say, well, you know, like, you know, you have to talk about complicated things like mm-hmm. the Eucharist. How do you explain transubstantiation to right. a five-year-old sometimes? It's hard, right? And you're probably not going to be able to. 
And actually, they don't. I'm still grappling with that, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's like we. I mean, because yeah, this is the thing. But like, yeah. mystery's okay, and actually, it's the most human response to life. You don't need. You can't grasp it totally because you can never actually grasp mm-hmm. anything totally because you're human. Um, I'll give you a quick example. Actually, one of my parishioners, his two-year-old daughter, is like just super adorable. I'm sitting at their house one night, and we're just talking away, and I hear, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And I'm like, she doesn't stop. And I'm like, I look around. She's looking right at me, and she starts talking to me. She thinks I'm Jesus. <laughs> I'm like, but like, they, like, the thing, that's a beautiful thing. Kids actually recognize the symbol so intensely that the that yeah. – that the thing that is manifested through you actually overtakes you, which is yeah. like not healthy in the end, but it's like at the same time, there's something really beautiful at that. Like she'll come to me after mass and I'll say, Oh Jesus, do you like my pink dress and my yellow <laughs> shoes? And it's like, <laughs> like God, it's like, it's super adorable that, that, but it shows already like, wait, there's something life giving here. I want to yeah. share life with you. And so there's a trust that is built because you see it's life giving. This then allows the child when a parent says the Eucharist communion is Jesus's body and blood given to you and to me to build up his church on earth and to bring us to heaven. And they may not even ask a question. They'll say like, they might say, well, how does that work? You say, well, you know, you know, you could even say something. Well, here's where Jesus says this in scripture. So we can trust his words. If Jesus is who he says he is, can't we trust his words? And we, oh yeah. And then as they get older, you can you can expand that more, yeah. right? But they'll trust that because they've had that experience that says this is life giving. So the truth element that can sometimes precede the experience, yeah, it's trustworthy for mm-hmm. them because the experience has shown them that this is something that can be trusted. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Okay. So you talk about sort of this model, which I think you know, could work amongst many homeschool communities and families and and whatever, and and in many cases already does, right? So one of the things that, you know, my experience led me to be able to catechize my family better and catechize myself better, because catechism, catechesis doesn't end, right? You know, it's constantly, we have to be expanding our knowledge, our understanding, our love of God, that's just part of being human. But uh, the idea of you know, gathering, it to me is essential so that you're hanging out with people who also desire holiness. Absolutely. And so even if you don't have this model in your in your parish, uh, or any, you know, if a person doesn't have this model in their parish, it should be a model you're, you're seeking out, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, like, there's two things here. This is something any family can do anytime they want, right? This is not something a priest has to set up. Or, you know, a couple other families who would like, you know, okay, fine, we'll do the catechism program because we have to, blah, blah, blah. But then we're going to do this on our own, like, as a family. like And so, because, yeah, this is so, like our setup is very simple. And, and, like, I did Alpha back in the days as a younger priest, and and I like their kind of total setup. I, I I would not use the model personally anymore for, for theological reasons. I just, I felt it just interfered sometimes with some of the Catholic stuff. But um, I've always liked their model, and it's always worked for me. It's very simple. A meal education and prayer. Yeah. Yeah. When you have those, and that's anybody can do that. Right. So the, and like my hope, like, so this year I am going to teach the parents. Yeah. Personally. Um, my hope is that in two or three years time, I can just show up. I'm like, Hey, I'm over there. If anybody wants confession, cause I know how tough it is to get to confession with kids. So go home. The parents are leading the different groups and the kids are off to doing their, and the priest can just show up every month. Right. Mm-hmm. Like I would prefer that I don't have to run anything in the end. 
that's where you want to build it up towards. But yeah, so the meal is just, I guess, to draw everyone together, mm-hmm. to build that friendship so that you, the parents don't feel alone anymore yeah. being Catholic because that's what they all feel like. They all show up to mass. They, some of them might know each other a little bit. But, you know, kids are running around and, and like you're, you're trying to make sure a kid doesn't run off into the middle of the street somewhere. And you're just like, <laughs> it's hard to necessarily socialize and get to know other people. But when a, but a meal forces us, well, I'm sitting across from this family. I'm going to have to get to know them, I guess. And kids often actually are very easy in for parents to get to know each other because if a kid, kids yeah. hit it off easily. Well, the parents be like talk with each other. Hey, you know what? Yeah, maybe we should arrange for a play date for them or something like that, right? And just and that's where just and you just let it go where it goes, right? One of the interesting little cool things already has been because I, I one of my things I did this summer was I tried to see as many families as I could in the parish. We don't, as you know, it's the island. <laughs> um, families are not bursting at the seams in parishes here because it's the retirement capital of Canada. Yeah, but you know, I have like twelve to fifteen pretty active families that I know of very personally that I know will come to this no matter what. And I went to pitch it to them to let them know this is happening. Don't freak out. <laughs> I want you to know, like we're doing this mm-hmm. to support you and, and they're all on fire and happy for it. I've already had three moms say, do I be really cool? We had a moms and tots group. I'm like, well, yeah, like do what these two other moms had said this. Here's, here's their contact. Yeah. Like, if you want to start it up, let me know and we'll get you the hall space right away. Like go like, so like, and that's the things I hope that'll come yeah. out of this is like, I want like this or I want a men's group. Well, great. We can get that going. Right. Um, but the meal, like just builds up that, that friendship. It's, it's an experience of the communion of the church. Like, and for me, like I use the word communion over community on purpose because community is very, it can be very, uh, ban- banalized, you know, it can be very, yeah. it's not to say it's not the right word, but the like, communion also means that someone has drawn us together. That is not ourselves. It's Christ who is the one who's drawing us and bringing us together and that's sharing that meal. Mm-hmm. We'll build that up. You'll you'll be able to bounce like, like, how'd you do this last month? You know, my kids asked this question. Like, how'd you deal with this, right? You build a friendship that says, listen, I'm really struggling. And then our family says, hey, why don't you come over to the house this week with the kids? And we'll do it all together. And you can see how we do it in our house, right? And, and you, some parents, like, they want to try this out a bit more. They want to give it like, oh, that parent. Wow. I love how much attention yeah. they give to their kids here awesome. around like, helping them to pray. Wow. I want that. And it just builds up a desire in them to like, so that's the idea is let let the space do its work in freedom, right? So that's that's the first, yeah. That's the first part of the night, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So if you're supporting that and and providing the space for that and providing the the opportunity for that, you know, that's a fantastic thing. Not everybody has that. So I mean, not everybody has a pastor who's necessarily, you know, willing or able to to do that or or, or you know, in the case of us, Ned doesn't have a pastor at all. <laughs> Exactly. In which exactly. case, you can invite people over to your home to accomplish the same exactly. thing or to a park in the nice weather, you know. So we have we don't have to rely on the pastor to create that. It's wonderful if we have it. And believe me, parents are thrilled when they have a pastor who's saying, hey, you know, when would you like the space? It's free on Monday, Wednesday, Friday mornings, right? So that's, that's really helpful. I want to sort of veer in a, in a different direction for a moment because I think that this would be really good for my audience. Um I want to talk, I was wondering if you could comment on uh, sort of an explanation on, on water sacraments and water sacramentals and why they matter. Okay, so so we all have a, you know, most of us will have a basic understanding of why sacramentals sacraments matter. But if you can just sort of compare, what's the difference between the two? And why do sacramentals in the home, in our churches, why not matter in, in light of, you know, teaching our children the faith? So I'm going to use this quick, uh, I'll just say one more quick thing on the last thing. 
that's okay first just uh second yeah, part, sure. yeah i'm going to teach the parents say this is what you're going to teach for the month give a little 10 minute catechesis on each topic they can ask questions etc and then the the catechist their job now is to see how are things going at home their job is not necessarily to educate they can review and stuff but it's like it's a review to see like are the parents holding up their end of the bargain of raising their child in the faith essentially like this is the idea and you know because sometimes it's like they aren't but it's not because they don't want to they just might you know, they're nervous. It's, it's, you know, it's hard. Okay, great. Well, we can work with that. It's like, I don't want to, that tells me something. Right. But the, yeah. and this is the third part can help bounce into your question now. Cause the third part, we're going to go up to the church for 10 minutes of prayer with the blessed sacrament exposed and we'll do a decade of the rosary. And then, and we can maybe each have each one kid each do a hail Mary or something like that, you know, just share it out and five minutes of what I'm calling silent ish prayer <laughs> because <laughs> when you have like a dozen families up in the church, you know, it's not going to be silent, but yes. the idea is at, we're, we're all like the kids see the parents praying, the parents see the kids, we're all praying together. And that experience yeah. alone is going to help them see that this is something worth doing at home. So this gets to the whole sacraments, the sacrament, the word sacrament itself really explains the whole Christian life. It's not just the seven sacraments. It's not just sacramentals. It's actually even deeper. Vatican II talks about the church as the universal sacrament of salvation, right? The church herself is a sacrament because I live out sacramentality, not just in my priesthood, but they, for Mario, most of your liberals, listeners, then it's, it's through baptism. Your baptism is not just something that happened when you were a kid. It's constantly active in you. Which means that 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 whole sacrament is always at work and at play in you to draw you into a participation into Christ's life. That that's that's the whole. I mean, this is Saint Paul. This is the whole Christian life. I am in Christ. Like that's in Christ is one of the best phrases in the whole New Testament, and in the realist sense of that word, in. So the sacraments are particular ways, more particular ways that Christ works out his salvation and makes it present in our life today. So baptism washes away sin and grafts us onto Christ through his church. Confirmation completes baptism, gives us the life of the Holy Spirit, often becomes a way through which particular charisms start to emerge in our life. Uh, the Eucharist is the sacrament of his body and blood where he gives himself not just to me individually, but by giving himself to me, he binds, this is why we call it communion, binds the communion of the church. <laughs> so it builds up the church, right? And St. Augustine has this great phrase. He says, Christian, become what you receive, <laughs> right? I just love that. And he doesn't just mean the Eucharist. He also like means the church, like every, the whole body comes Christ through the Eucharist. Oops. Um, confession is the absolution of sin so that the grace of the cross and resurrection is made present to us um, mm. in that particular forgiving way. Uh, sacrament of the sick heals, right? And, uh, matrimony is a sign. It's a symbol really of, it's a real presence of Christ's love for his church and the church's love for Christ. And the priesthood is in its, and in the fullness of orders and the episcopacy is, is Christ's guarantee of his presence to make himself present to the church throughout history to make those. So all the sacraments are making present today what happened 2000 years ago and that we can part that because I actually preached on this a bit on the weekend. I said, you know, eternity breaks into time and time into eternity now because of the incarnation. I said, what a weak God we would have if it just happened 2000 years ago and we had no access to it. Right. It was just an event. Then there's no salvation anymore. Like, like we actually aren't saved. That's, that's mm -hmm. scary. Um, 
but if, if the incarnation is mm-hmm. true, that means those events, all of the, these events in Christ's life are now also lived up and up in eternity. Like there's a reason in the revelation, it says the lamb is standing as though slain. Both events, the cross and the resurrection are present at the same time in, 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 in the heavenly temple, which means it can be present here today now too. Time is lifted up into eternity. So you break, it's amazing. Yeah. Right. It doesn't send chills down your spine. Like when you, yeah. you know, when you think about it, when you pause and think about that reality, yeah. Uh, it just sends chills right. down your spine. And so, the, so the sacraments are, are a very intense and real way that Christ does this. But the thing is to know, like, but that's and He's always working through these particular sacraments. And I would say, especially baptism, is one of those real places because it's really what makes the sacrament. The baptism is what binds us to the church. Is what makes if there's no baptism, there's no church really. And if there's also no episcopacy, there's no church. Like you need both, right? But it's yeah, that's the act of sacrament in most of our lives. And then obviously for families, it'll be like the sacrament of marriage. So that so these sacraments are are these particular ways that Christ works out his, his salvation us day in and day out to bring us towards holiness. Sacramentals are really the extension of of that, and and it's it's the extension of that whole logic of sacramentality, which is particular things like particular created things like uh like you know um a scapular or or holy water or a rosary or anything that becomes blessed which we can bless almost anything you know <laughs> um mm-hmm. these yeah. are all meant to be it's it, because it also says like matter matters right your your mm-hmm. these little things that you're setting them aside for god and and that to, he works through these things to bring you close to holiness and they become particular reminders. It's not magic. Like grace isn't magic. It's an engagement of God with our freedom to draw us into holiness. And so these little sacramentals are other ways that God continues to make his, the love and effect of salvation work in our lives to draw us close to him. And so all of these things, well, it's the whole work of salvation. And that's the other thing. It's like, that means it tells you very quickly. There's not a point in your day mm-hmm. or life, even if you're not conscious of it, that God's not working his salvation out in you. Amazing. Now, devotions also are considered a sacramental, correct? What, what do you mean by that? Like, you mean like rosaries? Does the sacrament always have an object, a physical object? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it always has a physical object. So, but again, devotionals are a working, living out of my baptism. Doing a novena, that's the living out of my baptism. I'm using words and uh, gestures sometimes to express and to let Christ work himself out in me in this particular way. Um so right. this allows for this does allow for a certain creativity in the church. To, for, there can't there, there can't be you can't just make up a sacrament whenever you feel like it. You can we do sacramentals? The church could say we're going to you know like like uh, the Divine Mercy Chaplet is kind of becoming a sort of new sacramental. For example, it's something or even the Rosary is new, right? In a way, like it's the 12th century thing. Yeah, these come up all the time. Yeah, newish, newish. Yeah, new-ish. it's new in the age of the church, right? <laughs> or, or the scapular <laughs> was a newer thing. Like there's all these things that. Uh, you're, you know, these all these a, a personal home Bible really can be is is really a sacramental in my opinion at least, right? And but that's still right. newish in a way. Like to have your own personal Bible is a very new thing for Catholics. You you maybe had a family Bible that was never cracked open. <laughs> so, but like uh, these are all because these are all this is the, God works through this stuff. He works through stuff. <laughs> this is like literally what the incarnation means. If he doesn't work through stuff then is he really God? Can he, he can't even work through his creation. He doesn't want to. Then is he really God? Right. Right. He has to, because, and we're, because we're body soul. He works through, he has to work through that to reach us, to talk to us as creatures. Yeah. So what are the, 
if a family was just starting off and they didn't, you know, know their faith very well or whatever, what are what are some of the sacramentals we should have in our home? Like if you could name sort of the top three things we should have in our home so that families, uh, or in your opinion, that so that families can start to uh, allow those experiences to become more present, right, through sacramentals in our home. Yeah, I guess quasi super basic. Holy water crucifix bible mm-hmm. and that you can even yeah. use all three things at a sim- simultaneously right you sit around a crucifix reading the scripture reading a scripture story and talking about it with another and you start your prayer by signing yourselves with holy water boom yeah you you're 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 using these gestures and because this is the thing these even in your especially your children these gestures form them mm-hmm. like those people who leave the faith or are away for a long time like i just did a mass in carom today and, and there's people with alzheimer's who haven't been to church in years they still know their sign of the cross and they make it when you make it. These things get into their bones. And so just something simple like that. I think those three things, because you can look at a crucifix easily, it's become something very visual. The scriptures are a way, a real sacramental way of encountering Christ in, through words. And then um, holy waters are really, is that constant reminder, my baptism is at work today mm-hmm. in me. Yeah. Yeah. So beautiful. Right? What about you? What, 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 did you, what would you say? Your, what would, you, would, those, would, would you have a different list? Yeah. No, I would say a crucifix for sure. Like, an, and I mean, yeah. ideally one's all over the house, you know what I mean? One in your dining room, one in your living room, one in your bedrooms, yeah. you know, so that there's a constant reminder. Because those were the things that, um, that I would say, you know, when we have a little tiny toddler and we look at the crucifix and we say, Jesus, you know, and then one day they notice that Jesus is on a cross. One day they notice that there's wounds. You know, we can point them out to them, but they also notice them in their own time, in their own way. And so that it creates very big conversations, you know, as as age um, and development allows. Right. So the other thing that I would add to your list, though, is uh, is art. Right, um, beautiful yeah, yeah, art, yeah, absolutely, and religious art. So I was being good. I was listening. I was, I was keeping it to three. Yeah, yeah, no, that's good. <laughs> I would say uh, art, and also yeah. uh, religious art in books. You know that children's books. There's some beautiful children's books now that have. Um, we've got a we've got a book on the nativity that's all um, paintings by Giotto. It's, but it's a children's book, so each page is a different painting, and it's telling something about the nativity in in each painting. So it's just exquisite. But there are so many things like that on the on the market, right? Just religious art books that can be geared at children or not. If you have them kicking around your house, it's a guarantee. You know, kids are going to flip through them and learn Bible stories uh, because of them, right? So, so yeah, but definitely, and holy water is such a tangible thing for kids. Kids love water, right? <laughs> so when you tell them this is a this is a special thing, yeah, exactly. throw their whole hand in exactly. it. Exactly. And... I don't know. Have I told you the story about Abel and the holy water? So I can't remember. He me, was a toddler. Tell me we were, at, yeah. um, uh, we were at a weekday mass one day, and Isaac was sitting up front. And he was sitting with the denizens and he was kind of goofing off, right? And and I told him, you know, if you're going to sit with the denizens, you can't goof off at mass, right? And so he was turning around, kind of making faces at me and stuff. And I'm like, I'm trying to motion to him, you know, like, just sit down, you know, sit down. You told me it's, you know, whatever, whatever. So I'm, you know, doing this to him. <laughs> and then he goes, Abel. And I turn around and Abel's got... Uh, the holy water font lifted out of its holder and he's drinking. <laughs> I've not heard this story. Yeah. You know, kids love, love water. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they do. And like and with the image stuff, like um, a parishioner actually just the other day uh, was showing me a little video of like their one and a half year old great granddaughter or something like that. And, uh, and has like a little holy card of St. Joseph. And she goes like in her, like, 
yeah, I want like love you, Saint, love, love you, Saint Joseph, yeah. forever. She's saying, and uh-huh. she's kissing the card, right? And so, but then the grandparents bought her a little statue of Saint Joseph because you know, it was like these yeah. little things like just become these. Because that's the other thing, like even that love, like I got this for you because you showed a love for this. It'll it grows an attachment because like it's not wrong to love something because someone. To like, like for her, like, let's say she loves say, that St. Mm-hmm. Joseph statue when she's 25 and maybe not even in the church, but she loves that statue. That love that the, gra- the great grandparents were showing to her is the means by which God keeps that connection yeah. with St. Joseph, right? So there's something really, really powerful and beautiful to that. It's not wrong for those things to, to mediate uh, God's love, right? And then so they're, they, they become really powerful or, or, uh, one of my godsons, I was visiting him a long time ago in London, England, and uh, um, he was like one and a half, too. And we say mass every day. And one day, I guess he grabbed my stole and he was like, got his hands together like this. He's like walking around, like <laughs> chanting like a one and a half year old would. And he gets to the table where after, just after mass we had, and he goes, he looks up and goes, the chalice. And he's like, I'm like, yeah, this is pretty cool, man. Like it's pretty, and he's just like so happy to be like, he's like doing this. And he's like, the Lord be with you. I'm like, he was like really internalizing the mass. Beautiful. It was really cool. Right. And I had no problem with him stealing <laughs> my stole and walking around with it. Like that's really adorable. Right. That's one of my favorite videos I have. And, uh, but that's the thing. These, yeah. all these little things. Kids grasp it so quickly. And that's the thing. So it's like when it gets to catechesis, it's to say, those are the experiences that mm-hmm. like you've done the catechesis in a way. Like this is kind of those things become in a way a kind of catechesis of the good shepherd. Yeah, almost, exactly. right? like a, of this, of this whole tangible experiential thing, they internalize it and then, yeah, and they carry it forward. You've already done the education. You, you don't, maybe they're not ready to break it down. That's okay. Or they, you break it down, they don't get it. That's fine because the, the 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 truth is bigger even than mm-hmm. any words you give it. Anyways, it's not to say it's not important to give those words, but it's just to say the truth always has mystery to it too. So, like, mm-hmm. just be grateful for that. Like, so I think like this is the thing we have to almost like remove the haunting burden of catechesis from parents to say actually it's not that big of a deal, and it can actually be something quite life giving. Oh, yeah, sorry, and when I say not big a deal, I mean it's like to say it's not the big. Yeah, it shouldn't be a burden at all. You don't have to memorize the catechism. Yeah. yeah, you should. Yeah, you don't need to memorize the catechism. I'm not expecting you to. I'm not even expecting you to have all the answers. Like, that's the other thing. Imagine you say, I don't know. I'm going to have to look into that for you. And then you look into that for them. A, you mm-hmm. show you care about their questions. But B, th- that the kids say, wait, it's okay to have faith and I don't know something about it. Not to say like, it's to say, oh, okay, I'll go investigate it too. Like, it, it makes it normalizes yeah. all this. Stuff. And I would say, you know, I'm sure you have uh, thoughts on this as well. But you know, for parents who are at a parish and you're required to be at a weekly CCD and your kids are not appreciating it or it's not, you don't really see faith happening. You know, faith getting um, learned there. Sometimes, I mean, sometimes they learn great and wonderful things at CCD, but. If you don't, it, where it happens, 99% of their faith formation is going to happen in the home. And so that's a support thing to kind of make sure you have the basics or the resources or whatever. But we can't ever think, okay, this is this is how my kids are going to learn their faith because it's it won't happen that way. And this is like essentially the number one reason I'm doing all this. Mm-hmm. I think most parents, my experience has been most parents who come drop their kids off for catechism, if they don't go to church right now or whatever, or they want to get baptism, they're clearly there because they actually see something important about it. But for some reason, it's hard for them to prioritize faith as the number one yeah. thing in their life. Um, and I think part of that is often they don't see it as life-giving, uh, at least life-giving enough. Um, but they also don't, 
and it's, sometimes that's not even their fault because maybe they haven't experienced it as life giving. And so, like, how do you, yeah, yeah, just like those parents who are going to come, like, there's a semblance of faith there. They want it, and I find often, like, so for example, where actually anybody who who doesn't go to church wants their kids to be baptized first. You have to ask me after mass now. I've decided. Uh, I'll have a form ready to go, but you have to get it from me after Sunday mass. Uh, show up at least for one mass, please. You know, and then, but then they're going to be coming to the family catechesis group. Right. That, that's your that's your baptism prep. Why? Because like the number one reason I find that they don't go is not because they don't like the faith. It's not because they hate the church yeah. or they struggle with it. The number one reason is they don't know anyone. Yeah. That has been my constant experience. So I've already, like, this is my thing. The family's like, this is their mission territory. If you see a new family that you've never seen before, just go say hi. Be normal. You know, like, just be a family. Right. And and say, hey, like, if you have the time, say, hey, oh, you're getting your kid baptized that Saturday? Hey, do you want? Yeah, I was actually planning to be in at that baptism. I'll see you there. Mm-hmm. Just say, like, that little connection. Then maybe that family says, hey, do you want? The Smiths are just so nice. Why don't we go see if they're at Mass on Sunday? And that's the that's that's the evangelization. You've done your work. I'm like you guys don't have to go far to do evangelization. You'll be able to do it right here. Uh, I know. Even if even saying something like "see you next week," right? Yeah, exactly. Right, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, but then the so the number one reason is to say like, yeah, you, if you want your kids to have the faith, it has to be lived at home. Like the days of oh, it's okay to show up and drop them off for CCD class, and then you're kind of gone afterwards. I mean, I can never really say no to that because they technically did everything they needed to. Now, yeah. actually, I can say no if they're not actually doing it at home because, like, really, as a pastor, my duty is to say you need to try to live this at home. Like, and it's not going to be perfect, but try. Because mm-hmm. if you're not, nothing's going to remain because it's not seen as something worth attempting to live at home in the first place. Yeah, exactly. Because you're right. Like, the, the home is the place for this. Like, we need to really emphasize, support, and build that up. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay, so I have a, before we wrap up, I was hoping you could tell my listeners about your most recent book, because, mm-hmm. uh, because I think, first of all, I think it would be really helpful as parents, not as a direct uh, catechesis source for your family, but in order to catechize yourself. So if you can just give us a, a couple minutes um, sure. rundown of what yeah, so it's, it's about. Mysterion, the Revelatory Power of the Sacramental Worldview, M-Y-S-T-E. R-I-O-N. That's Greek for mystery, right? Which is the root of the word sacrament, right? And so actually a lot of the stuff I've been talking about today is rooted in what you can find in that book, right? About what is, what is, what is, what is sacrament? What is sacramentality? Um, Why, why is it such an important thing? What are the barriers to that? Like we have a whole chapter, one of my favorite chapters in that book is on modern, what is modernism? It's a buzzword Catholics like to throw around a lot and often they may not know what it means. Yeah. So I kind of explain like, this is actually why this is a barrier to faith. We need to be aware of that to be able to engage with that uh, constructively so that our kids can know the faith in the midst of that. Otherwise, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a lost game. It's a lost cause. Um, so the book really tries to look at what does it mean for mis- for sacrament, the, the notion of sacrament, to look at the whole of the Christian life. So we look at what is that, like, what does that word mysterion mean? What is and then how it leads us to a notion that we participate in Christ's life. What does that mean to participate in the life of Christ? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you, and then you break that down a bit more, and then and then bring this all to the notion of sacrament. And like, and it's meant to be. It's not. A, it's not academic. It's. I mean, I would say like as as is my style. It's yeah, very I think it's readable. Quite readable. Very readable. Um, yeah. You know, but as is my style, I think I try to challenge a bit to to some growth a bit. But mm-hmm. I don't think it's it's, it's mm-hmm. not meant to be overwhelming or or anything like that. And then it moves to. Then it talks about the modernism question, the barrier. 
And then we look at some of the responses, which is the church. What is the church? What is faith? And why is faith connected with life in the church? Um, that you can't have faith without the church. It's actually not possible, mm-hmm. right? Um, I do a whole chapter on Mary because Mary, the Second Vatican Council talks about, is is kind of the um, archetype of the church. She's the incarnation. She's the sac. She's almost like that. The the, the personal sacrament, if you will, of the church in, in many ways. And that she's meant to inform the whole Christian life. I do that for a couple of reasons as quickly as, as I think it's really important because there can be some groups in the church sometimes, I think, who out of a, I get it, a real desire to emphasize masculinity, look negatively towards the feminine. And I don't think that's good or healthy or helpful. So I also mm-hmm. think it's meant to also say, like, no, no, actually the feminine is important mm-hmm. for all Catholics to know and to let it imbue them. Um so yeah, yeah that, that's the centerpiece. And then then the next bit is like, what does this look like in life? So we go through liturgy and the liturgical life in the, of the church and the moral life and the life of prayer, which has been interesting to me in, it, uh, in the and this, and discipleship and then just a bit of a conclusion. I've actually heard from a lot of people how much they love the chapter on prayer, which is a little surprising to me. I don't know. I wasn't intending it to be that way, but a lot of people found it very helpful to, to connect the stuff from the beginning to their life of prayer to see it's not just me rattling off some stuff. It's like, no, right. I'm entering into this real relationship right now. And I'm lifted up into the Trinitarian life because the Trinity is like mysteriously present to us through baptism. Like, you know, <laughs> like kind of a big deal. <laughs> yeah. I love that. You know, it's kind of a big deal. And, you know, I love the fact that, that Mysterion is a title because I think we're not very comfortable as human beings with mystery, right? Children are, you know, and, and, uh, we have to reconnect uh, with the sense of mystery because we want facts. We want to know it. We want it proven, you know, whatever. And we have to be comfortable with mystery. And so I think that I feel like, your book is something is very readable, very accessible, challenging as well, but something that and, and it's short. It's not a it's not a big, heavy theological book. And it, I think it's something that could really help equip parents with uh, with a kind of a backbone of how they can now catechize their children. Right. Because that's what you know, that's what we're talking about today. So what what can we do in our lives to to catechize? Is it available as audio? I don't know if that's in the work. Okay. Or not. So That'd the be other cool. thing is they're on YouTube right now, but because they're not quite quite finalized. But there's also a six part video series for free with the book. So the book is more like okay. yes, your kind of catechetical side, and the videos emphasize the more experiential side, and to draw to draw the two together. So if you go to like I think it's Daughters of Saint Paul, and you probably look up Mysterion on YouTube, you can find them. Okay, we'll put the link in the show notes. So is it you doing the series, or are they doing the series? Yeah, okay. it's me. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's the day recorded. The, I went over there and recorded it all. But um, um, yeah, so yeah, it's all it's all on their um, website. There's a yeah, daughters of Saint Paul, and let's pick up look up okay, Harrison Air, Father Harrison Air or whatever and Mysterion, and then um, it'll give you the links to the video there. But um, and then that, so that maybe and that might be helpful maybe with like maybe you have older teenagers who because like that one I get a little bit little bit because i was like i was reading introduction to christianity at the time by ratzinger so i was really excited about that but uh but like it's still i think it's relatively accessible but there's some good like existential stuff that like all, older teenagers or young adults are dealing with like they deal with nihilism right like I, how do i feel like how do i encounter god today and like that's a good question and it's and it and it's important to give voice to that question say it's an okay question to ask so uh the videos and then there will be 
once it's finalized, I don't have the dates on that yet, but it'll be it'll be available on their site because then there'll be like a free study guide. Everything's free. The idea is to help oh, cool. complement okay. the book, but also to help facilitate studies in a parish. Yeah. Maybe you have a parish you want to do a book. You, you can get the books. You get the video series for free because, you know, parishes get nickel dimes on this all the time. Like, no, no, here, just take this. Please yeah. just take this as a resource. Yeah. And, and Or as a family group, so you get a bunch of parents together, right? And Or a bunch of moms or a bunch of dads together to do a study with it, right? So I do, yeah, I do think, and it's really meant to, like you said, like like the stuff on liturgy there, you start to learn like the logic of the liturgy and the liturgical year, why this is important. And then, wait, that's important? Maybe I should be emphasizing that in the home where how could we do that? Like, I remember once when I was visiting you guys, you, I think it was... During Advent, you guys like took out purple candles and the cross, and you're singing "O Come, O Come, Emmanuel" around the house, yeah. right? And it's like right. th- that's a, what a cool thing to do, right? There, here's the thing: there's a yeah. lot of stuff you can do. We just because there's nothing like official for the church, what you can do, like that's the whole point. This is your church. You can kind of, you actually have the authority to quote unquote own it, create own it. <laughs> liturgy there, right? In a way, yeah. it's like a quasi liturgy, but you know what I mean? Like it's like it's it's you're living out this reality, and you're saying this time of year is important for this. Yeah, it's, it's fantastic. There's so, there's so many things you can do. But again, when you're connecting with other parents, you're sharing that. A reason I, I'm glad about the YouTube um, series because for a lot of, especially when parents have very young families, listening to something is way easier than, than actually sitting down and reading a book, right? That, you know, can... Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a great, it's a great avenue. So you guys can find Father Harrison on his podcast as well, Clerically Speaking. So I'd invite you to, um, to enter into that world as well. Uh, any particular episodes recently that you think would be super great for young parents? There's a couple of our earlier episodes. I'll give three. One was um, the Tradening, <laughs> which was Father Anthony's kind of discussion. Yeah, these are all – when you're doing a new podcast, you have all these ideas in your head. You get all the good stuff out right away first. And you're like, wait, what do I do this week? What do I talk about this week now? Um, but uh, the Tradening is talking about like liturgy stuff and why like on a healthy approach to tradition and liturgy. And I think there's some ideas there that can easily be incorporated to the home. The second one is I actually have an early one on modernism. I think it's the thing, the first few months of it. So that can help maybe break that down one a bit. And the third one is we have, a, I think, I'm trying to remember what this title now. There's one on vocations where I talk about like what, what discerning of discernment of vocations is helpful. And this is, I think, where it's helpful for parents because like I definitely take the Ignatian view of things a bit, but Ignatius makes discernment really easy actually for vocation. He says, everyone's called to marriage by virtue of being a man and a woman. Like this is what's built into your body. But God will call out of that certain men and women to religious life and priesthood. Yeah. So, like, what's freeing with that as a parent to know this is like, you're all called to marriage in that sense. That that's the normal. That's the normal thing. And then God gives a sacrament for that. Like, and, and that's great. But like, you'll be able to pay attention to. Do my, does my child have something on their? Looks like they have. They're manifesting something that might show on their heart that says God's asking something more of them. And to that, you can encourage that because it takes the anxiety out of discernment. Really, like there's young people get like, oh my gosh, like oh, what's God asking me? Like let's let's break this down. I do this all the time for young adults, right. especially, and it brings yeah. great clarity and ease to their discernment. It's like, oh wait, I, like for me when I heard that, I'm like, oh, I have that. I just didn't know what word to give that, and it made me choose priesthood very easily. And that was during my internship year, <laughs> right? So like, okay, yep, let's yeah. go, let's go. Uh, so I think those three episodes can maybe help with some of the stuff at home. Yeah. Okay, we'll pop those in the show notes. Yeah, thank you so much. This was great. And and I think that wh- however we can support families, uh, you know, because sometimes catechesis can seem overwhelming. So I'm glad we, we yeah. uh, touched on this and uh, that it's on your thoughts and your mind. So God bless. Have a wonderful week. Thanks. God bless y'all. Okay, bye.